7 o'clock on the West Coast, 10 a.m. on the East Coast, 3 p.m. in London, 12 midnight in New South Wales and Sydney, and in Malaysia, it's 1977. I'm Jay Sheldon, and I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. Uh, Luna Amethyst, yo. Yo to you. Hello. Nice to have you along. And uh, yeah, we're uh, we're cooking with gas. It's Wednesday. We've gotten through what one fifth, uh, three fifths of the week. So we're more than halfway through the work week, which is a good thing. And got my Brooklyn shirt on tonight. Hey, Brooklyn, how you doing? I don't know if that's a Brooklyn accent or not, but it's close. You ordered stuff for your Tati cosplay. <laughs> cool. Can't wait to see that one. And uh, yeah, my uh, my beard goatee thing. Misha, hey, Misha Demigod of Concordance. <laughs> Ayo to you too. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, my, my goatee thing here is, mm, I don't know. I don't know if I'm liking it or not. At the moment, I think it just looks like I've got a, a dirty face. However, I I did realize I reminded with this facial hair, I reminded myself of somebody, and it was this guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you? Do you I, I don't know why, but for some reason, this guy, this character's image, it was from the original Planet of the Apes movie with Charlton Heston. And this is Dr. Zira. He is, uh, yeah, an evildoer, as it says there. And um, he's, uh, let's see, I must caution you, experimental brain surgery on these creatures is one thing, and I'm all in favor of it. But your behavioral studies are something else again, to suggest that we can learn anything about the simian nature from a study of man is sheer nonsense. Why, man is a nuisance. He eats up his food supply in the forest, then migrates to our green uh, velds and rab ravages our crops. The sooner he is exterminated, the better. It is a question of simian survival. So what do you think? You think I look like Dr. Zero? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of think so. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so that was... He's he's an orangutan, actually. And uh, he plays uh, one of the uh, antagonist characters, the main antagonist from the 1968 film Planet of the Apes. Can you imagine? 19... Yeah, if I get a long-haired wig, <laughs> that is... Can you imagine 1968? Think about that. 78, 88, 98, 2008, 2050, what, four, three years ago? Over a half a century ago, that film came out. If you have never seen the original Planet of the Apes, wow, you got to see that. And remember that it was done in 1968. All those effects were practical. Those were not CGI. Those were not visual effects. They were practical effects. And that is an incredible film. Highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. I am very sure it's out there somewhere. So just check out in the torrent sphere or wherever and <laughs> see what you can find. 
yeah, Miko's doing well. Miko update. Uh, she is uh, doing well. Uh, just before the show, I was downstairs outside in the in front of the house having some coffee. And um, yeah, I miss practical effects. You're right. And uh, there was a frog on my patio. I don't know where it came. I've never seen a frog here. I've lived in this house for, I think, over three, three or four years now. I'm pretty sure. Um, but uh, we have a nice yard. We've got a nice big front yard, a side yard where I have my Japanese garden. My bonsai are out in the front yard and all. And uh, for some reason, this it wasn't a normal frog. It was a, a wart frog, we call it in the U.S. I don't know what you call it here. It was, it's a wart frog is what we call it. And... Um, it, it actually, it was kind of cool to see the frog, but then I started thinking about it. And what eats frogs? Yeah, snakes. And I don't like snakes. I mean, they're fascinating and all, but I'd rather not interact with snakes. So if there's a frog, to me, that's snake food. <clears throat> so I got to keep an eye out because you never know. Where there's frogs, you know what they say. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Well, let's see. We've got lots. Oh, my God. We have so much to talk about tonight. I've got like 50 tabs open here waiting, waiting to, for things to discuss. And we're going to start off with the stupidity because it's always good to start down low and then raise ourselves back up again. In this case, we got really just one stupid story. And the rest is all pretty inspiring or good news or inspirational. Um, but... Uh, I really hope that's the neighbor's dog. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. First story right off the uh, right off the the bat here is um, yeah, it's one of those uh, women and children locked up for stressed husbands without work during MCO. Here in Malaysia, we call our house arrest, our lockdown MCO, movement control order. We've been under an extra tight one, sort of, for, I don't know, three weeks now. There's another week or so. It'll probably be extended again. This is an article from freemalaysiatoday.com, a tip of the hat to, uh, to Free Malaysia. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, here is actually the bomba, the fire department, cutting the lock and the, uh, off the fence, um, a woman and her two children locked up in a house by her husband, believed to be under pressure, aw, were rescued by the fire brigade in Seremban last night. The firemen arrived at the scene after receiving a complaint, and they had to cut the lock off the mango door of the house in an attempt to persuade the man failed, according to fire station operation officer Sanawang Sanurin Sarip, uh, the fire brigade received a report of a man acting to lock the fence, the grill, and the back door of his house. Uh, he was stressed because of lack of uh, em employment. You know, a lot of people are going through this with this MCO. People are losing their jobs. They're losing their businesses. Depression is a major problem here. He said, we initially tried to persuade the man, but after about 15 minutes and seeing him not wanting to go down, we started to attack the gate and the grill of the house, they cut the lock because uh, the man claimed he didn't know where he put the key, according to the Cosmo report. The woman and her children, aged four months and over a year respectively, suffered no injuries. It is understood that they had not eaten since the morning, and the man was handed over to police. Good. 
lock them up, throw away the key. What if the house had caught fire and they're locked in? Now, God forbid something like that should happen. But seriously, what if? People just not using their brains. Look, I understand everybody is stressed, unbelievably stressed. We've all been putting up with this crap for over a year now. But there are some things that you just don't do, and that's one of them. Please don't be stupid like that. It's just not worth it. Think before you act. It isn't easy. I know. I know we're all going through it. Some people are handling it better than others. But um, if you need help, reach out. Help is out there. Help is indeed out there. I know here in Malaysia we have a group called Befrienders. Uh, There are other groups. Seek them out. It's the day of the internet. It's not hard. Use your handphone, use your laptop, your desktop, whatever. Just just search it out. It's available if you need it before you do something rash and stupid like that. All right, on to some good news because we need a lot of good news, actually. And this is one of the most impressive news pieces of the week. It is... From the worldofbuzz.com, I use a lot of their stories. World of Buzz, by the way, you should be paying me for this. Thanks and a hat tip to worldofbuzz.com. You will find this article over there. Just check it out. Malaysian athlete breaks the world record and bags a gold medal in powerlifting at the Dubai World Cup. Yes. That is a picture of this gentleman. And um, it was an amazing feat. I'm going to play a piece of video in a second, just a little bit. It's a long cut, but I just want to pay, play you a, a, little, a little bit of it. The story is our national athlete, Bonnie Bunyao Gustin, has made Malaysia proud with his outstanding performance at the 11th Faza Dubai Powerlifting World Cup. That's in the UAE. This was yesterday. Uh, June 22nd. So yeah, yesterday. He not only bagged the gold medal, but he also broke the world record in the men's over 72 kg event, successfully lifting, wow, 230 kg on his second attempt. That according to Astro Awani. That is absolutely incredible. Uh, Let me just play you a little bit of this cut and the sound. I'm going to have to use my headphones for the sound, so forgive me. But um, this is amazing. Check this out. This is it then. Bonnie Gustin. 19 seconds left on the clock. A huge amount of time to add another couple of chapters to a tremendous story for the world record of two... Three, oh, Bonnie Gustin. Bonnie lifts. The world record is his. There you go. Wow. Absolutely impressive. You're right, uh, Misha. Uh, that is incredible. This was at the... Uh, at the games in uh, Dubai, United Arab Emirates. And um, wow, congratulations once again to uh, Bonnie Bunyao Gustin, making Malaysia proud. That is a, uh, 
That's a great story. That's one of those feel-good things you need every now and then. Excellent. Gave us all a, a kick in the butt. <laughs> all right. Fantastic. Congratulations again. Hey, what'd you have for dinner tonight? Hmm? What did I have for Oh, I had satay tonight. Oh, man. Satay, for those of you who don't know, because I know I've got listeners in the U.S. and Australia and New Zealand. If you're not that familiar with Malaysian food, satay is basically meat, whether it's beef or chicken or lamb or mutton or whatever, little pieces that are stuck on a, a long stick like a big toothpick. I'm trying to explain it like 101 so people understand who have never heard of satay before. Then there's this special sauce that they put on it, and then it's char-grilled char over uh, open charcoal flames. Bottom line, it's absolutely freaking delicious. It is so good. And I haven't tasted satay in other places, Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, yes. And I haven't had it in so long that suddenly I thought, hey, why don't we have satay tonight? So I ordered uh, 10 chicken, ayam, and 10 daging, daging lembu, which is basically beef. Um, and it comes with this peanut sauce, which is ground up peanuts in this deliciousness. I don't know what is in the peanut sauce for satay, but it's really good. Look it up online if you want. Do an internet search. Check it out. It was so good. Ah, oh, man. And there's none left. Sorry, I would have brought some on the show, but it was too good. It didn't last. We ate all of it, so it's gone. But I did promise to talk about this in our last stream, and honest to God, we got so busy with other topics, I completely had to move it to today's show. So we're going to talk about it now. Most controversial secrets about fast food, according to fast food employees. Ooh, yeah, you're going to want to think twice before you order some of those main menu items, your next trip to the fast food restaurant. Um, this is from eatthis.com. It's called Eat This, Not That. Eatthis.com, a, a, a tip of the hat to them. But uh, we all have our favorite guilty pleasures and fast food menu items are that for a bunch of people included me, uh, but there's nothing wrong with splurging on a treat once in a while. Um, however, there are certain menu items that employees say you should avoid at all costs, if nothing else, for sanitary reasons. Fast food workers went ahead and shared some of their secrets about fast food on Reddit. So here's some of the fast food chain's uh, secrets that you likely really don't want to know about. Um, some eye-opening truths here from eatthis.com. You probably want to stay away from McDonald's McCafe items. <laughs> it says, I make sure everyone that matters to me never orders anything that comes out of the McCafe machine. They are routinely neglected in practicality, all 
McDonald's are the same. An employee wrote on Reddit, explain the staffers are not properly cleaned how to, trained how to clean the machines. And uh, they observe that the managers in charge of training them don't have the knowledge either. McCafe beverages run through a horrifically, horrifically dirty machine. We're talking five plus inches of un- unclean liquid goo that makes up its inside parts. You might want to give that a hard pass. Now, some of these restaurants are not in Malaysia. So for our Malaysian audience, you could probably be thankful. Panera Pasta isn't worth it. Panera Bread Employee, that is apparently a food chain, but it's not here in Malaysia. So I don't know. But they shared on Reddit, the sandwiches and salads are safe to order because they have real ingredients. They're usually fresh. The menu item to avoid the pasta. It's all microwaved, and that includes the macaroni and cheese. They also said Panera's cupcakes and coffee cakes all come frozen and are really not worth the cost. So there's that. Uh, Chipotle. You know what? I've never... Look, I do voices for a living. I usually can figure out how to pronounce something, but this word is one that I have yet to figure out exactly how to say. Chipotle? 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 I, I don't know. I've never know. I fully admit this one word in the entire English language that I speak, I don't know how to say it. If you know, put a like a phonetic thing in the chat so that I can figure it out. Anyway, you might want to skip the quesarita at Chipotle. I'm going to go with Chipotle for now. Employees there, including one who posted a Reddit, beg you that if it's busy, don't order the quesarita, quesarito. Uh, It backs up the line like no other. And if they're not busy, you're fine. But please do not order it during peak hours. The employees will hate you. And the people in line behind you will hate you. Everyone (laughs) will hate you. They clarified that there's nothing wrong with the quesadita from a health or a sanitation standpoint. But because not enough people order it, they haven't rearranged and optimized the food line for production of the food product. So don't order it because people will hate you. (coughs) Excuse me. Okay, the Starbucks secret menu. Now that I've heard of, even here in Malaysia, where we have a lot of Starbucks, there's one on every corner and one across the street from the one that's on the corner. So you can't throw a stick, you don't hit 15 Starbucks. But there has always been this thing about Starbucks having a secret menu. Well, it doesn't exist. Yeah, see, Misha, it says my sister orders from the secret menu. There isn't a secret menu. Don't order anything off the secret menu, a former Starbucks employee's employed and went on to explain that it doesn't actually exist. If you want a snickerdoodle, Nutella, or Captain Crunch Frappuccino, or whatever other sugary something that they came out with, uh, know the base drink and the modifications and order that, they advised. The former employee shared that if you just say the name of a drink that is supposed to be on the secret menu... Well, then it's up to the barista to come up with what's in it. 
it may not be what the last barista you ordered from put in there. So you have to actually order the ingredients that you want. All right. This is one, I'm not sure how you would do this. Never listen to Reddit, okay? Make sure you ask for fresh chicken nuggets at McDonald's. We seem to be picking on McDonald's tonight. So McDonald's also, there's another one. They're not going to sponsor the show. Um, I can't imagine being at the counter at a McDonald's and saying, I'd like fresh chicken McNuggets. I mean, I assume this anyway. Here's what the story is about, that if you order chicken McNuggets at McDonald's, an employee provides an insider tip, just ask for fresh nuggets. Otherwise, they have been sitting in the container in the heater lamp. They have a timer, but nine out of 10 times when that timer goes off where they're supposed to recycle them, they just reset the timer instead of making new ones. And that could potentially go on all day until the nuggets eventually get sold or get thrown away. So it says to ask for fresh chicken nuggets. I think if you asked here at the counter for fresh nuggets, they'd go like, hey, yeah, these are fresh here. Take these. Go away. That'll be $12. Stay away from ice. You put ice in your drink? I love ice. I love crushed ice most of all. But multiple fast food employees advised customers to avoid ice and lemons at all costs. You know, you put a lemon in, you put the ice in, you put your drink in. Lemons and ice are by far the most disgusting thing you can get, wrote one user who worked at four different restaurants. Another fast food employee shared that typically restaurants don't clean out the ice machine. It also depends on what they use to scoop the ice out of the machines. People with dirty hands with a scoop, scooping out ice, you can imagine all the nastiness that gets rubbed off onto the ice. You do that four or five times a day and you can see the potential for the nasty to accumulate. Oh, this is, I'm glad I had my dinner already. Don't order Pizza Hut's three cheese stuffed crust. I love Pizza Hut's stuffed crust. Why not? What does it say? Don't order the three cheese stuffed crust. The cheese in the crust is not better than the normal stuffed crust. And you get less of it. Ah, okay. The normal stuffed crust pizza goes all the way around the crust. And the three cheese stuffed crust pizza leaves gaps where there's no cheese. They said with the $10 Tastemaker pizza deal, you can uh, add a few toppings on a regular stuffed crust at no extra cost. You try doing that with the three cheese and you pay extra per topping. Interesting. All right, one more. And again, I don't, do we have Dairy Queen in Malaysia? I think we do. Don't order anything with turkey at DQ. Ooh. A Dairy Queen employee advised Redditors to stay away from anything with turkey like the turkey BLT. The turkey comes in those gross vacuum sealed packages and it gets a sheen on it rather quickly or it dries out. Either way, they said the turkey smells horrible and it only tastes good once it's buried under a mound of ranch dressing and bacon. So they said, just don't eat it. <laughs> All right. I think we spent enough time ruining your fast food dreams tonight, right? 
Oh, man. What a mess. <laughs> All right. Some inspirational stuff we have for you because we always like to pass along something that'll inspire you, something that'll make you, make you kind of uh, be hopeful, I suppose. You never talk about your regrets. Don't you have any? Well, the answer is, I guess, but I don't like to call them regrets. I refer to them as wonderings. Wonderings? Yeah, because I always wonder what would have happened if things had played out differently. But to name my past decisions mistakes or regrets is foolish. If I choose something, it was the right choice at the time. We never purposefully make mistakes. We only call them that in hindsight. That is brilliant. And that is from Amanda Taroni. You don't call them regrets or mistakes. You call them wonderings because it's okay to wonder what might have happened if you'd made a different decision, how it might have changed things. But don't regret it. Live a life as best you can of no regrets. Words to live by. Nice. All right. And another great one from our friend, Mr. Thomas Sowell, who we quote a lot on this program because he is one of the most brilliant minds I think I've ever come across. And um, I had a rather interesting back and forth discussion with a doctor today and a friend on Facebook about uh, whether or not the Wuhan uh, lab leak theory was a uh, was true or not, whether there was proof or not. There is not uh, substantiated, absolute, hundred percent proof of that. But I will tell I will tell you that it's looking a lot more in that direction. That's about all we're going to say about that because I don't want to get banned off of the platforms here, but, and you know how things go. But um, it was an interesting discussion and it was good actually to have a, a discussion, a disagreement, but an educated one with someone, myself and them who were presenting facts, the facts as we knew them. And that was actually a fascinating discussion to have. And, and thank you for that. I appreciate you are not going crazy and screaming and yelling and me not going crazy and screaming and yelling because we don't get things done that way. We listen to the other side. We absorb what they say. They listen to us. They absorb what we say. And we may wind up agreeing to disagree, but at least we have an intelligent discussion, which unfortunately is very sorely lacking these days on a lot of topics. Thomas Sowell, uh, I saw this today and had to share it Emotions. See, that's the thing. People get emotional. Emotions neither prove nor disprove facts. There was a time when any rational adult understood this, but years of dumbed-down education and emphasis on how people feel have left too many people unable to see through this media gimmick. And that's exactly what it is. They, when they make these arguments, they always argue it from an emotional standpoint instead of a factual standpoint. 
think of the children, think of the mothers, think of the, you know, fill in the blank. It's an emotional thing. It's not a factual thing. Use the facts. Thomas Sowell, an amazing man who, uh, he's written a number of books. And if I can suggest some reading to you, if you're into reading, and I hope you are, <clears throat> check out Thomas Sowell. You could do a lot worse. Uh, he's an amazing author, an amazing uh, an amazing guy. All right. You like Kim? T oh, here we go. Another car crash. You like kimchi? I love kimchi. I've been eating a lot of Korean food lately. We've got some, uh, some places here that sell some really nice Korean food. Sorry, coffee break. And a friend of mine posted this today, and I had to share it because he was so bored, he made his own kimchi. How about that? Yes. Nice. Uh, this was not a public post, so I'm not disclosing who it is or putting out any information. I'm just sharing the pictures. So there we go. we got some cabbage here uh, there, and we've got, uh, once it's all mixed in with all the ingredients here, and then I don't know how long he let that sit, because normally it sits for a long time, and that made me look this up, the untold truth of kimchi. Look at that. Man, how yummy does that look? Kimchi, or fermented vegetables, is a staple in Korean cuisine, if you don't know that. It's eaten mainly as a side dish, and it can be made with a number of vegetables. I didn't realize this. I thought it was always just made with cabbage. But um, it, it includes radish, carrot, cucumber. Typically, it is made with Napa cabbage. That's the most famous and the most well-known variety of kimchi. Um, but... You can make it with cucumber, carrot, radish, a number of different things, which sounds kind of cool. Um, so I saw this cool article. It's from mash.com. Uh, part of the reason it's such an important part of Korean food culture is its longevity. It goes back 4,000 years. Can you imagine? Traditionally, kimchi was buried underground. And I'll tell you a story about my neighbor in Connecticut in just a second. It was helpful in regulating the temperature during the fermenting process. Because in order to be really good kimchi, it has to be fermented. That's why I said with my friend's kimchi, I don't know whether he just made it, stuck it in there and ate it, or it's, he's actually letting it sit and ferment. But um, similar to pickles or sauerkraut, kimchi is a food that's made using fermentation. It uses the lactobacilli bacteria to transform a fresh vegetable into a pickled one. So I'm not, not going to, look, if you want to read the whole article, it's a really cool article. Check out mashed.com and just look up the untold story of kimchi. But now here's the deal. When I lived in Torrington, Connecticut, a little small city, about 35,000 people, very small city. Um, I lived on Highland Avenue in my mom's house. Uh, she was in North Carolina and uh, where she is now. But um, my neighbor, my neighbors were Korean. The house was on a hill. So every house was slightly lower than the next house, than your neighbor. In fact, I looked out from my yard onto the roof of the neighbor's house because of the way the hill went. So my neighbors were Korean and um, they would make their own kimchi. And they would, like this article says, they would bury it in the backyard. 
and it would be in these big earthen pots. They were about mm, maybe a foot, foot and a half high, and I don't know, about as big around as me, I suppose. And they would make the kimchi and then dig these holes in the yard in the back of their house and bury it. I don't know for how long, because I don't know how long you're supposed to bury it for, but it seems to me it was a long time, maybe up to six months or a year or something. And then they would cycle them through so they'd know where the ones that were done were compared to the ones that were still fermenting. I could always tell when it was time for fresh kimchi because the smell when they dug up those pots and opened them up would permeate the entire neighborhood. There would be that spicy, soury, kimchi-y smell all throughout the whole neighborhood. And I was right next door, so I got the bulk of it. But it's okay, because I loved kimchi. And they would share. They would always put some in a container, and they would they would stop by, hello, would you like, you know, it was so sweet. It was so nice. I don't remember their name. The name Lee is coming to me, but I'm not sure exactly what the name was. But anyway, it was it was so sweet. And it was actually real fermented Korean kimchi made by Koreans. So it, I don't think it gets much more authentic than that. That is a, that is a very, very cool story. All right. What else have we got? We got one more for you. One more. Uh, I'm not going to use the audio because sure as hell something is going to screw up. But you got to see this. This is not a topic. It's not controversial. It's just amazing. And I wanted to share it. I do think I'm going to have to line it up a little bit. Mm, no, nah, maybe not. I think that kind of works. Okay. Check this out. This is titled Mind Blowing arrow trick shots. Now, if you're listening on the podcast, I'm sorry, this is a visual, but if you want to watch the video, go to rumble.com. I'm not wearing pants. You can subscribe there. It's free. Please do rumble.com if you want to watch on the video and uh, take a look at this. That's an M&M. In slow motion, he's throwing the M&M up in the air. He's got a bow and arrow. He's pulling back and firing. Check this out out. Bong. Look at that. Full speed. He hits the M&M. Look at that. Close up. Bam. With an arrow from like what must be three meters away or more. Now this is a ring. Throws it up in the air. Pulls back on the bow. He's always he's already got an arrow loaded. The ring is falling down in front of the target. He lets go and boom. Nailed it. Put the arrow right through the ring. Look at this one. What is that he threw up? An arrow? Yes, he threw an arrow up. He split the arrow in half on its way down, shooting a glazed donut. Watch this. Bam! As it's spinning. No, no. A drop of water. Seriously, watch this. He's shooting at a drop of water. Boom. Nailed it. Unbelievable. A recurved bow with no stabilizers. These amazing tricks. That is absolutely incredible. What is he doing here? You got to see this. Go to rumble.com if you're listening on the podcast and check this out. An arrow can, can't go through the straw. Okay. He's shooting at a... He did it. He put an arrow through a straw from a good three, four meters away. 
<clears throat> one more here, an aspirin. You know how small an aspirin is, like a Tylenol or a Panadol. Throws it up in the air, takes the shot, and bam, look at that. Nails it. That is incredible. Wow. Uh, Misha, oh, say, uh, thank you. Thanks for stopping in and popping by and whatever it is you have to do. Have a good one. Okay, go do your thing. <laughs> that is amazing. Absolutely incredible, this uh, this guy. What a talent with that bow and arrow. Frightening. <clears throat> I would not want him to actually be trying to hit me because <clears throat> for sure he could hit wherever on me he wanted to. <clears throat> All right. <clears throat> Uh, we're going to move on to our book. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, it's The Little Prince. We did uh, we did a whole bunch of chapters last time because some of these chapters are very tiny and some of them are quite long. So uh, we are going to move on in to The Little Prince. And uh, The Little Prince is our book we are doing until we get to the end. And then we're going to... I got some emails, by the way. Thank you very much for your suggestions. Uh, you can email nopants at jsheldon.com uh, with your ideas for what books we can read. The only thing is they have to be in the public domain so that they're copyright free and we can read them without getting some sort of copyright infringement strike. So gutenberg.org is where we get our books from. We've All the ones we've done so far, we've done The Wizard of Oz. We did uh, Peter Pan. We did Alice in Wonderland, The Velveteen Rabbit. And uh, we are now doing The Little Prince. We've got a couple of ideas for suggestions coming up. So do check that out at uh, gutenberg.org. We'd love to hear from you. No pants at jsheldon.com. There it is right there scrolling across the screen if you need to see it. All right. And if you are on uh, the podcast, thank you for subscribing. Uh, we're on all the platforms, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music. You'll find us on all those. Please do subscribe, download. The numbers are great. We thank you so much for the subscriptions. And of course, you can always find me on patreon.com, Jay Sheldon on Patreon, if you'd like to help support the show. All right, enough of that. We'll get into our favorite little book here, which is The Little Prince. We left off at chapter 21, The Little Friend, uh, Prince Befriends the Fox. It was then that the fox appeared. Good morning, said the fox. Good morning, said the little prince, responding politely, although when he was turned around, he saw nothing. I'm right here, the voice said, under the apple tree. Who are you? asked the little prince and added, You are very pretty to look at. Oh, I am a fox, said the fox. Come and play with me, proposed the little prince. I am so unhappy. I cannot play with you. I'm not tamed. Ah, excuse me, said the little prince. But after some thought, he added, What does that mean, tame? You do not live here, said the fox. What is it that you're looking for? I'm looking for men, said the little prince. What does that mean, tame? Men, said the fox. They have guns and they hunt. It is very disturbing. They also raise chickens. These are their only interests. Are you looking for chickens? 
No, said the little prince, I'm looking for friends. What does that mean, tame? It's an act too often neglected, said the fox. It means to establish ties. To establish ties? Just that, said the fox. To me, you are still nothing more than a little boy who is just like a hundred thousand other little boys. I have no need of you, and you, on your part, have no need of me. To you, I'm nothing more than a fox like a hundred thousand other foxes. But if you tame me, then we shall need each other. To me, you will be unique in all the world, and to you, I shall be unique in all the world. Ooh, I'm beginning to understand, said the little prince. There is a flower. I think that she's tamed me. It is possible, said the fox. On the earth, one sees all sorts of things. Oh, but this is not on the earth, said the little prince. The fox seemed perplexed and very curious. On another planet? Yes. Are there hunters on this planet? No. Oh, that is interesting. Are there chickens? No. Well, nothing is perfect, sighed the fox. But he came back to his idea. My life is very monotonous, he said. I hunt chickens, men hunt me. All the chickens are just alike, and all the men are just alike. And in consequence, I am a little bored. But if you tame me, it will be as if the sun came to shine on my life. I shall know the sound of a step that will be different from all the others. Other steps send me hurrying back underneath the ground. Yours will call me like music out of my burrow. And then look, you see the grain fields down yonder? I do not eat bread. Wheat is of no use to me. The wheat fields have nothing to say to me. And that is sad. But you have hair that is the color of gold. Think how wonderful that will be when you have tamed me. The grain, which is also golden, will bring me back to the thought of you, and I shall love to listen to the wind in the wheat. The fox gazed at the little prince for a long time. Please, tame me, he said. Oh, I want to very much, the little prince replied, but I have not much time. I have friends to discover, and a great many things to understand. One only understand the things that one tames, said the fox. Men have no more time to understand anything. They buy things already made at the shops, but there is no shop anywhere where one can buy friendship. And so men have no friends anymore. If you want a friend, tame me. What must I do to tame you? asked the little prince. You must be very patient, replied the fox. First, you will sit down at a little distance from me, like that, in the grass. I shall look at you out of the corner of my eye, 
and you will say nothing. Words are the source of misunderstandings. But you will sit a little closer to me every day. The next day, the little prince came back. It would have been better to come back at the same hour, said the fox. If, for example, you come at four o'clock in the afternoon, then at three o'clock, I shall begin to be happy. I shall feel happier and happier as the hour advances. At four o'clock, I shall already be worrying and jumping about. I shall show you how happy I am. But if you come at just any time, I shall never know at what hour my heart is to be ready to greet you. One must observe the proper rites. What is a right? asked the little prince. Those also are actions too often neglected, said the fox. They are what make one day different from the other days, one hour from the other hours. There is a right, for example, among my hunters. Every Thursday they dance with the village girls. So Thursday is a wonderful day for me. I can take a walk as far as the vineyards. But if the hunters danced at just any time, every day would be like every other day, and I should never have any vacation at all. And so the little prince tamed the fox, and when the hour of his departure drew near, Ah, said the fox, I shall cry. Well, it's your own fault, said the little prince. I never wished you any sort of harm, but you wanted me to tame you. Yes, that is so, said the fox. But now you're going to cry, said the little prince. Yes, that is so, said the fox. Then it has done you no good at all. Oh, it has done me good, said the fox, because of the color of the wheat fields. And then he added, go and look again at the roses. You'll understand now that yours is unique in all the world. Then come back and say goodbye to me, and I will make you a present of a secret. Oh, the prince went away to look again at the roses. You are not at all like my rose, he said. As yet, you are nothing. No one has tamed you, and you have tamed no one. You're like my fox when I first knew him. He was only a fox like a hundred thousand other foxes. But I have made him my friend, and now he is unique in all the world. And the roses were very much embarrassed. You are beautiful, but you're empty, he went on. One could not die for you. To be sure, an ordinary passerby would think that my rose looked just like you, the rose that belongs to me. But in herself alone, she's more important than all the hundreds of you other roses, because it is she that I have watered, because it is she that I've put under the glass globe, because it's she that I have sheltered behind the screen, because it is for her that I have killed the caterpillars, except the two or three that we saved to become butterflies, because it is she that I have listened to when she grumbled or boasted or even sometimes 
when she said nothing, because she is my rose. And then he went back to meet the fox. Goodbye, he said. Goodbye, said the fox. And now, here is my secret. A very simple secret. It is only with the heart that one can see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. What is essential is invisible to the eye, the little prince repeated so that he would be sure to remember. It is the time you have wasted for your rose that makes your rose so important. It is the time I have wasted for my rose, said the little prince, so that he would be sure to remember. Men have forgotten this truth, said the fox, but you must not forget it. You become responsible forever for whatever you have tamed. You are responsible for your rose. I am responsible for my rose, said the little prince, so that he would be sure to remember. Chapter 22. The little prince encounters a railway switchman. Good morning, said the little prince. Good morning, said the railway switchman. What do you do here? The little prince asked. Oh, I sort out travelers in bundles of a thousand, said the switchman. I send off the trains that carry them, now to the right, now to the left. And a brilliantly lighted express train shook the switchman's cabin as it rushed by with a roar like thunder. They are in a great hurry, said the little prince. What are they looking for? Oh, not even the locomotive engineer knows that, said the switchman. And a second brilliantly lighted express thundered by in the opposite direction. Are they coming back already, demanded the little prince. Oh, those are not the same ones, said the switchman. It's an exchange. Were they not satisfied with where they were, asked the little prince. One is never satisfied with where he is, said the switchman. And they heard the roaring thunder of a third brilliantly lighted express. Are they pursuing the first travelers, demanded the little prince. They are pursuing nothing at all, said the switchman. They are asleep in there. Or if they're not asleep, they are yawning. Only the children are flattening their noses against the window panes. Only the children know what they're looking for, said the little prince. They, they waste their time over a rag doll, and it becomes very important to them. And if anybody takes it away from them, they cry. Huh. They are lucky, the switchman said. Chapter 23. The little prince encounters a merchant. Good morning, said the little prince. Good morning, said the merchant. This was a merchant who sold pills that had been invented to quench thirst. You need only swallow one pill a week, and you would feel no need of anything to drink. Why are you selling those? asked the little prince. Well, 
because they save me a tremendous amount of time. Said the merchant, computations have been made by experts. With these pills, you save 53 minutes in every week. And what do I do with those 53 minutes? Oh, anything you like. As for me, said the little prince to himself, if I had 53 minutes to spend as I like, I should walk at my leisure towards a spring of fresh water. And that's it for this week, or for this show. We'll continue on with Chapter 24 coming up in our next stream on Saturday night. The narrator and the little prince, thirsty, hunt for a well in the desert. <laughs> and that'll be coming up next time. Wow. Fantastic. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining and for staying with us. Please do subscribe, share, like, send it off to your friends. If you are listening on our podcasts, wherever you may be, thank you so much for that. And um, if you'd like to see the video version of the show, please go to rumble.com slash I'm not wearing pants. Subscribe to my channel there. It really does help. And uh, it, it helps to move us up the chart. So rumble.com, it's free account. You can set up and free to subscribe to uh, I'm not wearing pants on rumble.com. Until next time, my friends, I will see you again. Thanks for joining. Have a happy rest of your work week. I am Jay Sheldon. And strangely enough, I'm not wearing pants. Good night. <laughs>